Welcome to the Real Sisters of Cayo. First, you're a part of it, then it becomes a part of you. The purpose of this podcast is to share how Omega has continued to enrich our lives even decades following our graduation. This podcast is not connected to the National Organization of Omega in any way, and all of the thoughts and opinions here are my own and of that of the sisters that I will be chatting with. So, welcome sisters. I am Paula Axford, and I am so glad that you've joined me. The Real Sisters of Cayo is a podcast for Cayo alumni by Cayo alumni. I will be visiting with sisters from all over the country talking about what led them to Cayomega and how our beloved sisterhood has continued to enrich their lives over the years. Today, I am so excited to be chatting with Penny Pierce Kilpatrick, who just like me has uh, a few um, decades of experience to share with us. Uh, She was both GM and GH of our Delta Alpha chapter at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. She was a chapter visitor, now called National Leadership Consultant, was in many firesides and conventions and has served on many national teams and is now on the National Ritual Team, which she is going to tell us all about. So Sister Penny is here with me now. I am so excited. Um, We go back decades. And as I said in my last episode, Penny has so much to share about her Kaimega experience and how it has enriched your life. So without further ado, welcome, Penny. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Paula. I'm very pleased to be here. I'm excited about this new podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you you for supporting that. And, you know, that's, um, you know, one of the things about our sisterhood is that, you know, here I had this crazy idea and I'm thinking nobody will think that's a good idea. And you're like, I think that's a great idea. And I want to be on the first episode. So here we are. I want to let everyone know that we're sitting in the Mount View Library Branch of the Cobb County Public Library in Marietta, Georgia, which is where we've lived in Marietta, Georgia for about 25 years now. How long have you lived here? We moved here in 1998. Okay, so, so you're the math teacher. 20, okay. 21. Okay, so for me, it's I've been here for 26 years. And, you know, like I was saying to you earlier, I just think it's so remarkable how you know, we started out in 1987 together when we met. So that was like 32 years ago. I feel old. <laughs> I know. I do too, because I feel like I'm still in my 30s. I do too. And then, um, you know, how our experiences brought us all over the country. And now here we are back together. And I feel like I'm back with one of my original sisters. And, you know, what is so unique about our our sisterhood in Chi Omega is that you and I were not chapter sisters, but because of our shared experience, I really feel like that's what we are. So we, we started out at the very beginning. So I would like for you to first start off by telling us about yourself. Tell us about Penny and your family. Okay, sure. So as you said, we moved here to Georgia from the state of Texas in 1998. Um, when I moved here, it was just myself and my husband, Kevin. Since we've lived here, I have had um, my son, Ben, who is 20, and he is um, in his third year at the University of Virginia. And my daughter, Lindsay, is 17 and is a senior in high school. I cannot school. believe that. I know. <laughs> I know. It, it, you hear that it flies by, but you don't really believe it until it I happens know. to you. And then when it happens, you blink, and they're grown up. 
and you heard that was going to happen, now you know it's true. I know. And, you know, like I said, I still feel like I'm in my 30s, and my daughter is approaching her 30s. Mm -hmm. um, But Kyle keeps us young. So I did not know anything about Greek life um, growing up, and I talked about that in my first episode. And what I did know wasn't very positive. So tell me how you were introduced to uh, Chi Omega and, you know, if you're a legacy or, you know, just how that worked and how you wound up going where you did at the University of Tennessee. Sure, absolutely. I have an older sister who attended the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, and she was actually a member of a different sorority there, but that's how I first learned about Greek life. My mother was not Greek. I didn't have any other Greeks in my family. So like you, I was not a legacy other than my sister. She was two years older than I was. And she was okay with her experience. She didn't love it. I think she would have been fine either way. She certainly has not continued an involvement as an alumna. Um, I did not go to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. I ended up going to University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. Yeah, how did that happen? Um, I got a fabulous scholarship um, that I just couldn't say no to. Yeah. Um, so that's when I went there. And the Greek system there is much smaller, or it was at the time, mm-hmm. of course, than it was in Knoxville. Um, at the time, Chattanooga was evolving from being a commuter campus to becoming more of a residential campus. The Greek system was growing. Um, but I decided I just wanted to go through rush, as we called it at the time, not yeah. recruitment, um, just to figure out what it was all about. I will say there was a woman in my hometown who was very good friends with my mother. Our, our families were good friends. Her older son had had the same scholarship that I had, and that's why I'd even applied to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga and applied for that scholarship was because I knew he had done it and was very successful. So when she found out I was going to go to UTC and had gotten that same scholarship, she sat me down, and she told me all about Chimega, and she said, no, you have to go through Rush, and you have to give Chimega a chance. So you so, went through formal Rush? I did. Okay. I did. And As I will, an incoming freshman? I did. Okay. And I will give her full credit. Her name was Barbara <laughs> mclean Thank you, Sister Barbara. Yes, she is now in the Omega chapter, oh. but she... Growing up, even, she was just the classiest Southern lady, and I had no idea about Kaimega at that time, but she was always a wonderful role model. So when she told me that, and I already knew how wonderful her son was, I was like, well, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to see what it's all about. So I went through formal rush as a freshman, and there was no choice for me. I felt at home completely Mm -hmm. in Chimega. They always say you make a personal connection with someone during recruitment, and that kind of forms your ideas. There was a gal in the chapter that was going to be the um, new member educator, um, (laughs) as we didn't say it then, but her name was Mary Matthews, now Mary Matthews Kate. She's also now in the Omega chapter, but she was my role model. She, I wanted to be just like her, and I mm-hmm. thought if Kamega can help me be like her, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do this. She was the epitome of this Kamega symphony, mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted to be like her. So there was no doubt in my mind. It was Kamega. I love that story. Way. And, you know, you said that you had found a home, and for me, that was what I found too. And I talked about how my dad's career brought us around, and, you know, we were away from grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles, cousins, And I always felt a little disconnected. You know, I would see other families bring over aunts and uncles, grandma and grandpa for birthdays or whatever. And I didn't have that. And I felt like I was always searching for a connection, for a home. I mean, certainly I had that, you know, within my own family. But something that was bigger than myself. And, um, And that was absolutely what I found in Chi Omega. 
So Delta Alpha, right? Absolutely. Okay, who just celebrated 100 years. Absolutely. Wow, I can't believe it. And um, now they knew what they had when you pledged Chi Omega. And and that was really obvious because very quickly you were slated as GH of the chapter. So you you were young for a GH. I was. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I was was shocked. It was very (laughs) surprising. So you, I pledged as a freshman, and then the end of, um, I guess, sophomore year when they start doing the slates. Because the first, after I got initiated, I was the committee chairman mm-hmm. or something. And then the slate came out, and I was slated as GH. And I was overwhelmed um, with gratitude, and I was flattered. Um, but I was also just shocked beyond belief. Couldn't believe it. Um, but the executive board members were amazing. They were wonderful. I'm still very good friends with a lot of them. And they were so supportive. And the chapter was supportive. And I thought, well, if this is what they think I can do. And I really hadn't even had a leadership position in any organization before. Nor Um, did I. Un- overwhelming. Yeah. And I found that I, I loved it. You know, it was an amazing yeah. opportunity. So I love that Sisters in Kamega saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. That's exactly my experience. You know, I talk about how being one of five kids and mm-hmm. how I kind of fell through the cracks. You know, like I said, when you're one of five kids, someone's all like, always falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, growing up, my parents' expectations were, you know, go to school, don't get into trouble, <laughs> and we'll see you at the dinner table. You but, you know, there was never really like, okay, Paula, you got an 80 on this test. Don't you think we could do a little bit better than that? You know, I never really felt like I was pushed or challenged to wh- where I could be, where I could be performing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Chi Omega gave that to me. Absolutely. And my family did push as far as academics. Yes. My father was an educator. Right. And he that was very important to mm-hmm. him. And I was very involved in my church growing up and participating in a lot of those activities. But those weren't necessarily leadership opportunities. So when this opportunity came, I was blown away blown away. Um, And I'm still grateful for it. It, For me, it was truly life-changing. I told you this story the other day, and I will share it now. Yes, please. Um, As president of the chapter, um, one of the things we were um, excited to do was be able to go to national convention in the summer. In that summer, it was um, at Camelback in Arizona, and so we had to fly. That was the very first time I had ever flown commercially, ever. Wow. And I flew with our advisors and the other people that went... But it was um, the very first time I'd ever flown was for Kanega. People just didn't do that in the little small town where I was from. If mm-hmm. you had to fly, you just didn't go. Um, or it was for the very wealthy or whatever. But um, then again later, as a senior, I had to fly to go interview in Cincinnati to become a chapter visitor. And that was the second time I had ever flown. That's and so then cool. to get the job for two years where we did nothing but fly. Right. That, and just to see the world, right. the country, and all of the opportunities that came. I am forever grateful to Kamega for just broadening my horizons. Well, I wanted to ask you about going from GH to GM because, you know, that is almost like a flip of what happens in a lot of chapters. Like when a younger um, member is brought to the executive board, you know, I've seen like in our sister Kay go from GM to GH, but you did the opposite of that. So what was that like going from chapter president to pledge educator? an interesting story. So I had been GH and it was a wonderful experience. And we um, 
actually had a chapter visitor, Melinda Mount at the time, now she's Melinda Pierce, who had served her chapter as GH for two years. And she had been slated younger as well. And when she visited, she said something to me and so did the advisors, wondering if I would have an interest in serving as GH again. And my answer was, I will do whatever the chapter feels is best mm -hmm. for me and for the chapter. But if I could choose anything, I would really choose to be GM. I, I'm an education major. Yes, I love both. doing that. You know, yeah, the yes, two of us. and I love the history. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that would be something I would really enjoy. And I would really love for Leslie Smith to be my assistant. She was <laughs> wonderful. I said, we would be a fabulous team together because we have different strengths and um, I said, that's how I feel, but I'm just honored and happy to do whatever the chapter feels. So I really didn't know going into slating what would happen. I had a feeling I would still be on the executive mm -hmm. board based on things I had heard, but I didn't know. So when it came out and um, I had been slated as GM, I was very excited because that was something I just felt like I was I would have to loved to have you as my GM. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Now, what I thought you were going to say was that uh, Melinda approached you about becoming a chapter visitor now a national leadership consultant, which I would not have been surprised at all if she sat you down and said, Penny, I want to have a little chat with you. Um, so tell me how what led you to, to do that, to apply for that position. Renee Lubiansky-Amon. Okay. Um, she was the next chapter visitor that came mm -hmm. when I was GM. And I just fell in love with her. To me, she was another beautiful example of the symphony. She just carried it out, and I wanted to be just like her. <laughs> she was just amazing, and our whole chapter even just fell in love with her like they had never done before. It was amazing to watch. She just totally clicked, and it was a phenomenal experience. And so I started asking her about the job, and she said, you should apply. And then I said, okay, I think I will. So that was Oh, that's that wonderful. And I'm so glad that you had that encouragement from her, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Now, earlier we talked about how uh, so often our dreams are on the other side of our fears. So what kind of fears did you have maybe applying for it or, you know, even thinking about going in that direction? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm from very small town, had had very little experience traveling, meeting new people, and that's what this job was about. So it was a fear of the unknown, just not knowing if I would be able to do it or not, and having not having the confidence. I think mm -hmm. in myself, meeting new people does take a self-confidence and assuredness that um, I didn't know if I had. Yeah. So that was the fear, okay. but the excitement of being to travel around the country and meet sisters from all over was just so appealing to me. I knew I had to go for it. That's awesome. Now, you know, like I said, you have many, many decades to share. And so I have <laughs> a feeling, well, I'm older than you are. So, so I've got a few years on you, but um, I think you're going to have to be in another episode because we're going to have to talk about <laughs> so many other things. But, um, you know, is what can you share with us about being a chapter visitor? And, you know, it, your experience was very different from mine. I talked about in the first episode how I applied, didn't get it, got a great job at a financial company in Boston, and then Letitia called me and I wanted to leave, but you know, and how that played out. So I had a beautiful situation where I had an amazing job in Boston, but I was still able to work as a chapter visitor. But it was different from yours. Yours was full-time. So tell me about that. It was full-time, and I will say my, my parents did not support it. 
Um, they, I had gone to school on an academic scholarship, as I said, and when I graduated, they had anticipated me to get a job mm -hmm. similar to yours, something that was exciting and well-paying. And when they saw the salary, especially right. <laughs> for the chapter visitor, they were just very disappointed. And I think a lot of that was because they didn't understand Greek life. They didn't mm -hmm. understand what the job entailed. They didn't understand the growth potential that it right. had for me mm -hmm. and what it could lead to. Now they would tell you they're very glad that I did that job. But at the time, they did not support it. And that was hard for me, knowing mm -hmm. I didn't have that support. Because then we lived at home and traveled from the nearest airport. And we would come back home in between visits to work on reports and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they were not. I yeah. had to pay them rent. Okay. And we didn't make enough money to do that but mm -hmm. I did anyway mm -hmm. that was their philosophy so um, but you're right I did um, interview the spring of my senior year and was got fortunate enough to be offered a position and made the best of friends in the other chapter visitors that were traveling mm -hmm. with and didn't me. you feel like that was almost like a chapter experience oh, in and of itself without a doubt and you know um, in that first week when we were all together, there was that just immediate bond, I felt. Um, but one thing that I felt was lacking, and I went to Leticia, who was the director of chapter development, and I said, you know, I really want a CV big. Do you remember the I CV did. bigs I did. and I how did. that happened? I, did. I don't think it's something that they no. ever did again, but that was really fun. But I we think, did do it. I think that the second years in the executive office pulled our names out of a hat, and I was matched with Sister Jill, which was just so much fun. I do remember. I know, and I, um, I've, I've missed her a lot. We kind of have lost touch, but that was just really fun. Um, okay, so then you traveled for two years. I did. Okay. I did. All over. And mm -hmm. We didn't have regions then. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of traveling in the state of Georgia and Virginia, but I also went to California. I did a lot in Texas. Fell in love with the state of Texas and never oh, yeah. been there and just loved every chapter I visited, later even moving there. Yeah. So. How did you, how, then how did you get to Texas? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting, you mean afterwards as a yes. professional? Yes, So exactly. after I finished working for Chimega, I took a job in medical sales. I was in Augusta, Georgia, and then Memphis, and it was just not the job for You me. know what? I did not know that piece because I thought you went right into education. Okay, so tell me about that. I did not. So, no, I, it was um, a medical imaging company that I was working for, um, kind of like pharmaceutical sales. Like I said, I started in Augusta, and then they transferred me to Memphis, which I loved Memphis. I have a lot of family there, so that was nice, but it just was not for me. Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. So I decided I needed to go back to my dream of teaching young people. So when I decided to do that, I said, you know what, I'm just going to make a fresh start. And Kay Keeling Calloway um, was living in Fort Worth at the time, and I had loved it when I visited there. And I told her I was changing careers. She said, you should just come to Texas. I wow. said, okay. So I got a job teaching at Northside High School in Fort Worth, Texas, and moved, and we shared an apartment together. And that's how it started. And I actually got to work as an advisor for Rho Epsilon at TCU, which was wonderful. Um, got to watch Kay as she met the man she ended up marrying. And yeah. then they introduced me to my husband, Kevin. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I was there for seven years before I moved back here. And, you know, again, what I think is so remarkable, how you and Kay were so connected after your travel experience and then you and I reconnected here about 20 some years ago. And just was it two years ago, Kay's husband brought her yes. here to Metro Atlanta. Yes. And here we are. <laughs> 
I mean, wouldn't it, have guessed. I know. I know. I feel so blessed. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. I know. You know. I just wish that um, Kay and her husband had talked to us, and instead of buying in Peachtree City on the south side of Atlanta, moved up to the north side in Cobb County. So I'm still looking at houses for that. Okay. Good. <laughs> Realtor Paula. Yes. Sure. So um, you know, you and that, and that doesn't want just it for you. So um, I have not had the advisor experience and I would love to do that. And there's this little school nearby that I would love to talk about um, establishing a a chapter at, but that's for another day. Um, But let's talk about the teams that you've been involved with and what you're doing now. So fortunate. Um, And I don't know if you remember, but when we were chapter visitors, Connie O'Neill and Jan Lane came to present the possibility. The dynamic duo. Yes, and they were the ones who first initiated the idea of having a special team of volunteers to help chapters with rush or recruitment now. Um, Laura Miller from Fort Worth was a big, big player in that as well. And she actually was the first chairman, I do believe, of that very first national recruitment team, the NRT at the time. And Kay and I were volunteers on that team, and it was such a dynamic group of people. It was so much fun to be a part of. It was hard to stop laughing just to get work done that we (laughs) needed to do because it was just full of personality in that room. And that was so much fun and so exciting. And we traveled in pairs, and Kay and I were a team together and just had so much fun. Uh, We did that for a couple of years, just helping chapters improve whatever recruitment they had. So were Connie and Jan working with the chapter at SMU? They were. Okay. Yeah. They were. And then how about Laura? She was working with Roe Epsilon. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I think is so cool about... um, you know, women as leaders is Connie and Jan had this vision that, um, you know what, there's so much talent out there. You know, we, we are thousands and thousands of women leaders. We could do so much if we, you know, expand to those resources. And so I think that they really changed the game when we started building these volunteer teams. I do too. I think they planted the seeds mm-hmm. in Letitia's right. mind too, because as you mentioned, she was director of chapter development at the time. She went on to become on the council and then ultimately become SH. And I think through her leadership, we saw all of these volunteer alumni teams come together and come become solidified. Mm-hmm. And why not? Like you said, exactly. there's so much talent and willingness to give back. You know, and everybody's in different stages and at different stages of our lives, we're willing to give more or not, just depending on how busy we are with our careers or our families. But they were always saying, whatever you can do is appreciated. We just want you to be involved. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah, I think that was a real game changer for Mm -hmm. us on a national level. I do, too. I do, too. Um, And then another game changer with the National Leadership Consultants is also how they now live with a chapter or a colony for <laughs> You're kind of laughing. Did you have that experience? That was the first one. Wow. Okay. I, I don't think I remembered that. So, how? yeah, how did that come about? Well, as I mentioned, I didn't have a lot of support from home as far as this job. So the first year I traveled in the fall, I would go back home um, in between trips. Um, then we were presenting at Center College in Danville, Kentucky, And one of the requirements of coming on that campus was that a consultant needed to live there. And our council really, really wanted 
us to have a chapter there. It was a fabulous school. And so they said, well, we're just going to need to do that. And I said, you know what? Things are going so well for me at home. I would love to be a part of that. So one of our alumni had um, a basement apartment. Her name was Jane Fister, I remember, and I lived in that basement apartment. I still traveled and kept my full travel schedule, but instead of going home between, I would mm-hmm. go back to work with our chapter at Center. And then the following year, um, Washington and Lee in Lexington, Virginia, started a female Greek system. They The school started off all male. Ten okay. years before um, the female Greek system, they started admitting women. So women had been there for 10 years without a Greek system, so they wanted to start a Greek system. So three um, national groups were invited to come on campus, and they wanted the consultants to live there in Lexington as well, to be there all the time. So again, I kept my full travel schedule, but instead of going home, I would go back to the right. to the Best Western in Lexington, <laughs> Virginia. The other so. thing, too, is, well, I yeah, I guess that makes sense. Being with a colony, they wouldn't have a chapter house. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I see the um, national consultants going home and kind of getting a, a deep breath and a little, you know, maybe a couple days of recovery before going out again. You really didn't have that. But at the same time, too, I think that there's just so much energy there that you don't get drained. You know, um, that's why we do this when we're young, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm surprised, I surprised myself. I thought I would see me growing much closer to the girls and the women in the chapter. But the bonds I formed with the alumni who were volunteering as advisors were the bonds that stuck, which is not what I expected. Yeah. But it's really, really, really a neat thing mm-hmm. that I've, I've actually stayed in touch with one for sure. Neat. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that those chapters just have started with a great foundation and have just flourished. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, okay, now, um, did you take any time off? During? Absolutely. Okay, tell me about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. When I was starting my family, mm-hmm. and the children were young, and that occupied a lot of my time. I did not... It was right after we moved to Georgia, actually. I was no longer an advisor, no longer part of the recruitment team, just concentrating on being a wife and a mom to my Mm -hmm. kids. Um, And then I will never forget, it was several years after I'd been doing that, I got a call from Marianne Frugge and asked if I would be on the donor relations committee for the foundation. I said, well, I don't know. What's it going to involve? And she said, Penny, you just have to thank people. (laughs) Well, that sounds like something that's right up my alley. So I was able to do that for a few years under the leadership of Leslie Oliver. And it was an amazing group of women. And you made phone calls and wrote letters. It was Mm -hmm. phenomenal just thanking people for whatever they had done for the foundation. It was a fabulous, fabulous committee to be a part of. So that was sort of how you got back. Mm-hmm. into it okay mm-hmm. and what are you doing now now I did take a little break from that when I went back to work because I had okay. worked while I was at home raising mm-hmm. my children went back to work and um, got a call from Missy Pass Missy Ganway mm-hmm. who traveled with us asking if I would be part of the ritual education team which I'm currently doing and absolutely loving it the one thing that binds us all together as sisters is our experience with the ritual. Everybody's chapter is unique to that campus, and there are different histories and traditions Mm -hmm. for each chapter. But the one experience that we all have that is the same is what we experience through our ritual. And Mm -hmm. I feel really strongly about that, and that's what makes us sisters. That's what we remember. That's Mm -hmm. um, what makes our sisterhood. 
So to be able to travel with a partner on the team and go to different schools and just share that and make sure that we're all sharing it the way we should. Right, right. It's been wonderful. Um, Do you have a permanent partner? or Okay, so you're matched for, and how often are you traveling Mm -hmm. for that? It's typically once a semester. Okay. So we're doing um, virtual support as well, so it may not always be an on-site uh-huh. visit. That is so cool. Just once a semester. Um, and how is a chapter selected to have a visit from the RET, the Ritual Education Team? That's a question for the governing council. Okay. They, they make that decision. I am assuming that one way is that a chapter might ask for assistance, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, our newer chapters, always, like last year, my visit was for a new chapter so um, at Coastal Carolina, and that was exciting. Um, but I, you would have to ask the council. I do not know the answer to that. I just kind of get the printout of where we're going, and okay. I say yes. And who are some <laughs> other sisters that are on that team with you? Yeah, so in the older group, including myself. The um, older group, that's yeah, us. Um, Melinda Mount Pierce, whose name I mentioned earlier. Yes. And Marty Wright Troutman is on that team as well. And Missy is our governing council liaison. Mm-hmm. Casey Stone is the head of the whole team, and she devotes so much time and energy and does such a fabulous job. It's so Melinda and Marty are both in Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. And then what about Casey? Where is she? North Carolina. Okay. And then um, I'm, this week I'm traveling with Ashley Llewellyn, who is mm-hmm. out of Louisiana. Um, I'm trying to think. We're all over. Hillary is in St. Louis. Catherine is in Denver. Um, Shannon is in Texas as well. Um, oh, goodness, Paula, I don't want to leave anyone out. I know, I know. I know. I'm, I know I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, so, getting you. Um, well, and I can tell you the team was originated by Martha White Christ. Who oh, traveled with yeah. us as well. So. And then she um, she was sort of the director of it for a while she was then the before head. it went mm-hmm. to um, Missy. Well, Casey is the one who's the leading. Okay, I see. She kind Mm -hmm. of took Martha's spot. Okay. Yeah. mm -hmm. You know, again, you know, we think about national advisory training, you know, recruitment training, but ritual training is, is just, you know, such an important piece and really something that, you know, maybe we didn't do as much of before. You know, I know that I have done, um, you know, not on the ritual education team, but I definitely worked with chapters on the ritual. And there's so much to it, and it's so beautiful. And when, and even, you know, here are these officers that were going through it, and I'm talking to them about what their role is, and many of them are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. So, you know, that's why it's so important. And that's also why I'm really excited about um, when after the PNMs are initiated and now they're new members, is to continue to go back to the ritual and talk about you know what each of those things mean. Even now, as a part of this team, when I go back and read it, I still discover new things. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. And these were young women that yeah. created our ritual. They were young women. Yes, that's right. And when you think about it, they were about the age of the women we're visiting. Right. And that they could write something so deep and so beautiful and so meaningful is truly amazing. I know, and their vocabulary was something else. It kind of puts me to shame. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Melinda and I were Googling um, whatever the app is that will let you do the pronunciation. <laughs> making sure, because we tend to have Southern accents. Right, so we right, sure right, right. We weren't saying it correctly. Yeah. Um, What kind of feedback have you gotten from the chapters? 
mixed? No, you know what? Most of them are very enthusiastic because when we go, we typically spend a lot of time with the executive board. Mm -hmm. The all-chapter workshop is typically just about two hours. So it's not a weekend commitment. Okay, I was thinking that it might be a weekend. For the entire chapter, it's usually just a couple of hours. And they... I hope they leave, and I feel like they do leave feeling excited that they've learned something new, too. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, on spring break or on summer vacation, when they meet a Kaimega from another school, they're able to talk about things that they all know in common and that they all share together. Um, Have you ever been on a ritual team for convention? Yes. Tell me about that. (laughs) It was phenomenal. It was interesting because there's there's so many parts of it you can't share with others outside of our Kaimega world. And so if you ask my husband and my children, they will tell you that I was an ironing employee. (laughs) I stayed in the room and just ironed the whole time because that's about all they know that I did, which is stay in the room and iron. But it was truly, truly one of the best things. And Casey did a great thing. She assigned each of us on the team a certain member of the group that was going to be doing the ceremony um, as our special person, almost like a little sister, as you would. Mm-hmm. And I was assigned right. I, um, the gal who did the GKA part, and she was from Land Alpha, University of Kentucky. And she's just the greatest thing, and I just fell in love with her. And we, you know, we are still in touch oh. via technology as we can do these days. And she was amazing. So that was a special perk I didn't even anticipate. It was making friends yeah. with someone like that. But it was just so exciting. It was so exciting to be a part of it, and it was so beautiful. And when well was done. that? Just this past. When are we past convention? So it would have been 2018. So this mm-hmm. is when um, Kay's daughter was initiated? Yes. yes. And you were on that initiation team? It was the first convention I'd been to in years. Wow. And I got to... Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I thought you were going to say, you know, like back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, wow. Yeah. Okay, so for those yeah. of you who don't know, Kay Calloway, who is one of our you know dearest sisters who... Also, you may happen to know her name because she just so happens to be the national director of Kaimega alumni, um, that her daughter was the model initiate, one of the model initiates, one of four. four, And that was that was something new that we did last time, too. And it was to demonstrate to chapters how it could be done. And Mm -hmm. it was it was done with four initiates, but it was still equally beautiful and meaningful and deep and just and the music was amazing it was just a beautiful thing to be a part of and I'm very thankful that I was asked to do that was that challenging for you all to go from one to two initiates to four like was that kind of like a logistical like how are we going to do this how are we going to manage this and we went through many things and many rehearsals before we met with them on how are we going to do this how are we going to do this and we figured it all out and laid it all out and now showed chapters so hopefully they can be consistent throughout the country mm-hmm. oh yeah and you know that's the other thing too about the ritual ceremony and the model initiation is that it does show everybody um, what the ritual really really should be like and, mm-hmm. and that experience mm-hmm. okay so when is your next visit I'm leaving Friday. All right. I know. I'm so, so excited to visit um, in Shreveport, Louisiana, Centenary College. Okay. Centenary College. Get ready. Buckle up, sisters. (laughs) Fun is on the way. Yes, it is. You have no idea what you're in for. 
Well, um, I definitely want to hear about how it goes at Centenary. Is it is Centenary? Centenary. Centenary. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear about how it goes there. And then, you know, you have so many stories that I definitely want to get back again with you and, you know, talk about some of the other experiences. Because, you know, what I found um, when I got into my 40s and that, you know, there are some things that changed in my life about what my sisters did for me at that time. Um, and I know that you have a lot of that, too. So um, will you come back? Oh, I would be honored. I'm so excited that you have started Oh, this. well, now I'm pleasure. honored that you have supported my sort of crazy idea and, um, <laughs> and that um, you'll be back. So, Penny, I cannot thank you enough for being part of the Real Sisters of Cayo. And thank you, sisters, for joining us today. Again, this podcast is not connected to the National Organization of Cayo in any way, and all the thoughts and opinions are my own and that of the sisters that I'm chatting with. Until our next episode, remember, sisters, that Chi Omega is truly for a lifetime. First, you were a part of it, then it became a part of you. Hashtag Chi Omega, hashtag biggest of the best, hashtag sisters on purpose. This is Paula Axford in the shades of evening, looking forward to our reunion. Kai o kai till I die.